You know, don't turn your back on anybody that's hurting because we don't know what happened to them. We don't know what kind of trauma. We don't know what kind of rejection. We don't know what kind of loneliness. We don't know what kind of anxiety and depression that they're going through. And, you know, I think that's what happened for me is I had people around me that didn't turn their back on me. And that's why I'm sitting here today. I'm a new person today because of that, you know, because I had people that cared for me when I couldn't care for myself. And my wife was that big example. You know, she's in recovery and she was in recovery for a very long time. She got about 22 years in recovery and I was still struggling. And she was pulling me out of dope houses and saying, you know, God's got a plan for you. You know, your life is, this is not your life. And, you know, that's the most incredible part. I understand when one gets lost in that and I got lost in it. And I hate to see so many young people get lost and lose their life. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to our episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is former MLB player Daryl Strawberry. Daryl played 17 years in the major leagues. He won four World Series and went to eight All-Star games. But today we're going to have a much different conversation. We're going to talk about Daryl's incredible redemption story of hope, faith, and recovery. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Daryl Strawberry to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Doug. Thanks for reaching out to me and having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of yours. I remember as a kid watching you play baseball, and you were so good, man. And and a lot of people that are listening to my show, they might be a little younger, they might not remember like your baseball playing days, but you know you were an eight time All Star, you won three World Series, you were an incredible player on the field. And unfortunately, like so many, you you fell down the path of addiction, which like wreaked havoc on your playing career. So I guess like a good place to start is I know you started you know, dabbling into drugs like earlier in your career, like hard drugs, like what was going through your mind when you were, when you first started to do it? Did you know that this was going to be something that was going to lead you into despair or were you just having fun at this point? I think at the time I was just having fun, but I think most important thing to say is uh, the fact that, you know, I started early when I was young, you know, 14 years old, I started smoking marijuana early and started drinking early. And I think the habit was there from the beginning. And I think it just increased more. You know, as I went along into professional sports and became, you know, popular, and, and I think a lot of times people don't know when all these things hover over your head. Being a star, you know, if I would have been playing somewhere else besides New York, it probably would have been different. It probably would have never been such great expectations and to be able to perform. Not that I didn't perform, and and I did, but at the same time, I, I think I found a lifestyle that was completely different off the field. Then on the field, uh, on the field, you put on a uniform, you know who you are off the field. A lot of times you don't know who you are because people are grabbing at you from left, right, you know, behind you and, and, and want a piece of you. And a lot of times you fall into the reality of the hype and, and, and think, you know, you're all that in a bag of chips. And I think you don't realize that uh, one day it's going to catch up to you. And I didn't realize that one day it would catch up to me. Absolutely. And I can I remember seeing the, the 30 for 30 special with, with about you and Dwight and even just hearing what you just said that I can imagine that 
that your environment played a huge part in it, like that you're around other people that are doing this. You're in New York, you're partying a lot. So this is all like normal to you and you really don't know anything else at this point. But I know you've done a lot of work on yourself. You're now a, a Christian and you're an evangelist and you speak, you know, hundreds of times a year. Like looking back now, like what do you think was at the root of of your drug use? I mean, was it childhood stuff? Was it the environment? Like what was the deeper thing going on? I think it was a deeper thing from childhood abuse from a father to rejection of never feeling comfortable uh, with inside myself and never believing that I was going to be anything. And here it is. I come to play Major League Baseball at an early age and become a star, you know, rookie of the year and, and accomplish all these things and still thinking, you know, as I'm playing and having a uniform on running around the bases, you know, hearing in my head, you know, what my father was saying that I would never amount to anything. And I just believe that regardless of how well I did, I think it was a scar that was left inside of me. And I think a lot of times people don't know that um, lawlessness brings about brokenness and broken generations just continue to go on and, until you break the vicious cycle. And I, and I never want to turn out to be like my father. And I end up being just like him, you know, alcoholic, womanizer and, you know, abuse my family and everything, you know, say things. And, and, and you don't want to do that, but that's what you grow up in. You don't know anything better. I became that became a big part of who I was and it left me wounded and left me scarred, even though I had the uniform on and I could do great things. My athletic skills is what was my driving point. I think that really was the point of driving me into being well and um, being uh, accepted and approved by media and fans, you know, because of my athletic skills, because they would doubt if I could do it. But I had no doubt I can do it. So that was a driving force for me, too, in a different perspective. But the other part was the empty part that was real. Brokenness is real. And I think people don't realize that. You can see you see a lot of athletes who come and play and they're great and you wonder why they never make it. And you look at them and say, what happened to them? Because the inside, that brokenness on the inside is so deep. It keeps you from knowing who you are. Some guys do climb the mountain and get out of it. You know, you you cheer for them and and. And you wish, you know, for yourself that you can get out of it. You wish for yourself that you could be different. Because I always wish for myself to be different when I was playing. I, I wish I could be like Gary Carter. I wish I could be like a guy that was very simple, loved his family, loved God, and understood who he was. And I don't think a lot of players do really understand who they are when they plan. Some some are very fortunate because they have their families intact. You know, father's there, the mother's there, and they've been able to live like that. And some don't and still make it out of those situations because they never went down any of those dark roads of picking up alcohol and drugs uh, to detour their life. Yeah. And, and you brought up something that I think is, is very impactful that you shared that like initially that you got, I, I don't know if addicted is the right word, but to fame and notoriety and you were getting all this attention because you were a stud in your early years as a baseball player. You mentioned you know, rookie of the year and eight time all-star and you were just, you were so good. Like, do you think you reached a point like in your career that you had just gotten so much notoriety and success so quick that that became like an addiction and you had to move on to something else? And that, that's where these hard drugs really took over? Well, I don't, I don't think so far as my um, notoriety as a player. You know, I, I knew that part, but I got sick of it. You, yeah. know, as, you know, everybody always, you know, saying, well, you know, especially playing in New York, they were saying, well, you could do better than what you're doing, you know, and don't. I think a lot of guys don't realize how hard it was. You know, a lot of guys that were sitting up there and looking at your talent from your talent standpoint, from just looking, but never knowing how 
much work you had to put in to be able to excel and, and, and become great at doing that. And I think I got sick and tired of hearing about that more than anything. I just wanted to be a player just like everybody else. I wanted to be able to, you know, play. If I go 0 for 4, I go for 0 for 4. You know, you don't bark on the other guy to go 0 for 4. But when I went 0 for 4, it was like, how could you go for 0 for 4 and leave two guys stranded? You know, well, so didn't that guy leave two guys stranded too? You know, but I would always have to take the heat for that because of being so talented and the expectations were so great. So I just got over the fact of that, but I never got over the fact of winning. I mean, I always love the fact that, you know, when you're on a team, it's never about you. You know, it's got to be about a team. And I think that's what made me such a great player because I understood the team concept of being a team player. And that made a difference in me of, of the way I approached the game and didn't get caught up into that. But I don't think it affected me from the standpoint, like I said, of, of being talented. I think it what really affected me was not knowing who I was. I, I think anyone that can excel and, and achieve, but if you still don't know who you are, uh, there's going to be some problems uh, along the line. And I think that's really where my problem started along the line of not knowing who I was more than anything. Right. Yeah, identity definitely is so important. And I think that you, your relationship now with, with Jesus and God is, has definitely taken your relationship with yourself to the next level. And I definitely want to get into that. But like you mentioned at the beginning of your addiction journey, when you were, when you were playing, like it was initially just, you know, you were just having fun and, and going out and doing that sort of thing. Like at what point in your career did it shift from just going out and having fun to where it was significantly causing problems in your life? Well, eventually it's going to catch up to you. You know, the older you get, you know, the more difficult it's going to get, you know, and the addiction part is going to kick in. And once that kicks in, it kicks in a very powerful way. You know, it's a transformation of the the brain. You know, the brain takes a different direction and a different road. And now all of a sudden, you are having fun, you know, at the beginning, you call it. And now all of a sudden, um, you need to use all the time. You need to drink all the time. That's the only thing that satisfies your feeling of who you are inside. And I think, you know, that's what happened to me. It just started to kick in. And over a period of times, you know, it just becomes like a full-blown sickness, you know, and now you're really addicted. And I think what most people don't understand about addiction, it's an illness, it's a disease, it's a sickness. And, and once one, uh, once it gets a hold of one person, it's very hard for a person to just turn it off. You know, people say, well, can't you just not use? No, it's not that simple. You know, you don't understand. It's, it's, it's a craving. It's a craving that takes over your life. And, you know, I've I just been very fortunate to be able to sit here and be alive and be well and be in recovery. And, and, and I think about all the young people that I see today with the epidemic, with the opiates and heroin, and, and they're not making it and they're dying, but 18 and 19, 20 years old. I'm just so saddened to see that happens to them because it doesn't have to be that way. You know, somebody has to be able to love them through that process and let them know that, yeah, you have a problem, but I love you no matter what. You know, don't turn your back on anybody that's hurting because we don't know what happened to them. We don't know what kind of trauma. We don't know what kind of rejection. We don't know what kind of loneliness. We don't know what kind of anxiety and depression that they're going through. And, you know, I think that's what happened for me is I had people around me that didn't turn they're back on me. And that's why I'm sitting here today. I'm a new person today because of that, you know, because I had people that cared for me when I couldn't care for myself. And my wife was that big example. You know, she's in recovery and she was in recovery for a very long time. She's got about 22 years in recovery and I was still struggling. And she was pulling me out of dope houses and saying, you know, God's got a plan for you. You know, your life is, this is not your life. And, you know, that's the most incredible part. I understand when one gets lost in that and I got lost in it and I hate to see so many young people get lost and lose their life. 
Yeah. Amen, man. It's, it's so sad uh, to see how many people are dying. I think it was what they say, like over a hundred thousand people died um, in the last year from overdoses. And I want to go back to, I want to go to your redemption story. You brought up your wife who has played a humongous role in your own recovery, your spiritual growth. And there's a lot of people, Daryl, that when they are first trying to get sober or into recovery, they have a hard time rebuilding confidence. They have a hard time believing in themselves again. Like, what was that journey like for you? Because I can imagine you were pretty beaten down and, and broken at that point. So what was going through your head and how did you start to develop the belief in yourself again that you were now going to make it in recovery? Well, we all are beaten down, you know, from from the addiction part of alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever it may be, food, whatever you're going through. You get so beaten down, you don't even think you can get up. And I think what people have to realize is the process. It's not an overnight miracle. It's not like you turn a light switch on and all of a sudden everything has changed. That's not the, that's not what's going to happen. It's a process. It's something that you have to walk through. I think what a lot of times people don't understand and what I had to under, come to the understanding of is I didn't get myself in this overnight and I'm not going to get out of it overnight. So there's going to be a process that I'm going to have to go through. And the process is really hard. You know, the process is change. You know, I have to change a lot of things about myself. I think it's, it's never about the drinking and using what happens to people. I think it's about the behavior. It's about the behavior of who I was. And that was going on for so long throughout my major league baseball career. You're doing whatever you want to or however you want to because nobody can tell you what to do. You're making millions of dollars and you're not under anybody's thumb, you know, so you do kind of whatever you want to do. So what had to happen was I had to change the whole thought process and the behavior of who I was. And now I couldn't do all these things and I had to remove myself from a society. I think that's the big key that a lot of people don't understand about getting getting well. If I don't remove myself out of the society that I'm used to and I'm accustomed to, I'm going to stay stuck. You know, I'm going to stay being the same person. So I had to remove myself from out of all that. It was a lonely process because I went into a different transition, you know, and I, I went into a transition of be, becoming a whole different person. And I think that's what recovery is all about in, in any parts of any person's life is you have to go through this major transition and it's a lonely transition because a lot of people don't want to be around you if you're not the same person while you were fun when you were hanging out but you're no fun and like this so so i went through that whole process of going in a different direction and, and being home and, and being away from people being away from a lot of friends a lot of guys i played baseball with i just didn't hang out with anymore not that i didn't love them but i just had to change who I was. And if I didn't change who I was, I wouldn't have never been able to get to the side that I'm at today. And I think that's the big difference in, in myself and the way I've seen things. If I don't change my behavior, I'm not going to change. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. This includes Organifi green juice, which I am now using in my smoothies, either after a workout or for a great on-the-go snack. It's loaded with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. 
It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Cutting down on caffeine is a big initiative of mine as we head into the new year, and Organifi's Red Juice is going to help me do just that. It's basically a superfood fruit punch that gives me a jolt of energy without the caffeine, and it only has two grams of sugar. If you aren't into smoothies, don't worry. Organifi products are super easy to mix, and you can add one scoop to a glass of water. So go to www.organifi.com forward slash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Doug and use the code Doug for 20% off any item. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, you're so right, Daryl. I mean, it really comes down to behavior, changing your habits, changing your environment, and also knowing that it's going to be a journey. Like, I love the the idea of, of one day at a time because you're able to just focus on that day, that 24 hours, and just being so relentless, so meticulous, and intentional about how you're spending that day to make sure that it's pushing you further into recovery and not like back into your old destructive patterns. Like, did you ever like early on in your, your recovery days, did you ever deal with any kind of regret where you would see the, the headlines of, you know, how much talent that you had and how great you could have been, but addiction caught up with you. Did you ever deal with any kind of regret? No, I really didn't. I, I really never thought about that because, you know, after I really took off the uniform for good, I realized that was over. Okay, now what's next? You know, and, and I think that's what happens to so many guys, you know, and even if they're not in addiction, they can't take the uniform off and they can't move forward. See, one thing we got to learn about life, life is short, it's not long lived and nothing lasts forever, not even us. And I think when you realize that, you realize that you still have a chance, you still have life in front of you. So make the best out of what you do have in front of you. And I think so many people never step into that. So I realized that once I took the uniform off, there would be no regrets. I had to go into a place of renewing myself. You know, I'm not Daryl Strawberry, the baseball player anymore. When does Daryl Strawberry, the man, steps up? When does Doug, the man, steps up? You know, and when we finally reach that place and understand that there's life after putting the uniform on, then who are you? And I remember my wife telling me that so clear. When are you going to take that uniform off? I thought to myself, you know, like, she's right. When when am I going to ever take that uniform off? You're not Daryl Strawberry, the baseball player anymore. You're still Daryl Strawberry, but you're not the great baseball player. None of that. That's over. When are you going to take the uniform off and take responsibility? And when are you going to do what God's called you to do? So I was really challenged you know, by her in such a way that I've never been challenged before. And you know what, Doug, that really pushed me into my destiny of who I was supposed to be and the reason why I was created. Uh, Because it's far greater than just being an athlete. You know, you see a lot of great athletes, people in the the fame and fortune, but outside of all of that, who are you at the end of the day? If you were stripped from all of that, then what would you be? And I think a lot of people don't know it's something greater on the other side because God created us not just to play sports, not just to entertain people, but he created us to be able to help other people. See, I think every person has to understand that we all will fall short and every last one of us will have a story to go back and help somebody else. But will we use our story to help somebody else or will we sit around and be bitter and have a belly full of regrets? I don't have a belly full of regrets. I played ball and I did well. And today, the kind of work I get to do, Doug, is as far greater than playing ball or anything else, because I get to see lives being changed and souls being saved at the end of the day. And I could never imagine myself doing that when I was hitting home runs and drinking alcohol and womanizing and all these other things. 
and making millions of dollars. I could never dream the fact that one day that I would be an evangelist. I would be stand, standing in major churches across this nation being trusted to preach the gospel, which I never went to school for. I'm not qualified, but God qualifies you when you enter in his plan and not your plan. Mm. I love what you said about regret and, and looking forward and knowing that you're you have to leave the past behind and not worry about who you were in those moments, but really focusing on who you're going to become as a re result of that. Cause there's a lot of people, whether they're athletes or not, they, they beat themselves up. Cause like, man, I had so much going for me and I blew it or I blew this chance. I blew that chance or I pissed this person off. And now my life's over. And really like, it's only over if you think it's over, but if you think that you can use the situation to turn it into something meaningful and help other people along the way, then you start to get more excited about where you're going. And I know for you and, and myself and many people, that's where, where faith comes in and plays a big part. So how I know that your walk with God and becoming a Christian has been at the foundation of your transformation. Um, what has that looked like, I guess, from, from the beginning to where you first started to, to re-believe in, in Jesus to where you are now? Well, from the beginning, I'm just like everybody else. I don't know where to start, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, I think what most people don't understand, and I had to get this point clear across to them, the Bible is a simple book for complicated people because we're all complicated. But it's very simple and it's always been simple. And I think the problem with most of us, and just like it was with me, is I never picked it up for myself and started reading it. And it wasn't until I picked it up for myself and started reading it, that's when I realized I got the revelation of the true meaning of being a Christian. It's not looking at somebody else and saying, well, look at them, they're Christian and they're doing this. No, the Bible didn't say some would fall short. It said all of us would fall short. So everybody on this earth that comes here is going to fall short. So there's no reason to look at anybody else. All we got to do is look at ourselves and examine ourselves. And when I started to examine myself and started to see the shortcomings of myself, and I started to understand as I continue to read the Bible, as I continue to hide out and saturate myself in the, in the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to teach me about the Word, it started teaching me about me. Because what people don't understand, Doug, is God is never going to change. Before we were here, there were other people here that he used too. And they had, a, they had the same issues just like us. They had problems. But he used them just as well as he would use us when we could see ourselves as undeserving grace that he gives to us and understanding that I don't deserve grace and he gives it to me anyway. Now you can move forward. And I think too many people beat themselves up because they try to do it in the natural. But what they don't understand, God is not natural. God is supernatural. He's a different being than us, but, but you have to have a personal relationship with him. And, you know, a lot of people ask me all the time, well, Daryl, how did you get to this place of having so much knowledge and, and, and meet Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? I said, well, Jesus has never been lost. <laughs> See, when you can understand that you're lost and he's there, now you come to him. Now he will give you the revelation and understanding of why you were created. You were created for more than you can ever imagine. And then he allows you to do things that you cannot do, but he will do them through you because he's great. Yeah, man. Amen to that. And I, I think I think a lot of people get tripped up when it comes to Christianity and God and and all that because they've had a lot of misfortunes in their life. And they're like, oh, if God is real and he really loves me, then why am I going through this? And I know your childhood wasn't easy at all. I mean, I've heard you talk about what the relationship was like with, with your dad growing up and with how that all unfolded. Like, 
like, what do you tell people when they say to you, like, when you talk to them about becoming a Christian and what your faith is like, and they're like, man, like, if God is real, then why would this all be happening in my life? I think the point is they need to understand is God is real. We're the ones not real because we won't come to the place of accepting the reality that we're sinners and we need a savior and we're broken people. See, that's the only reason why I'm different today, because I came to that reality that I'm a sinner. I need to save it. And he's the only one that can really redeem. He's the only one that can rescue, redeem me and restore me. I can't rescue myself. I can't redeem myself and I can't restore myself. You know, Christ is the only one that can do that. So I think that's the problem with most people. They focus on themselves instead of focusing on him. See, and when I turn my focus off of myself and I turn my focus on him of how great he is and realizing that Jesus has never sinned. All the rest of us will. So that will tell me that there's nothing wrong with God. It's wrong. What's wrong with me? And if we can grab a hold of that part and understand that part, that there's something wrong with me, that, and, but I don't have to be like this no more if I come into this personal relationship. See, everybody's looking at my life and wondering, wow, you know, because they knew my life from playing baseball and being broken and, you know, jail and everything else. And they're wondering, how could this guy go from this place of life to this place of life? How does he know so much about God? How does he know God is good? Well, because I had to look at me. I didn't have to look at God. I mean, you go, God has always been good. You know, we, I think we mistake the fact of how good he is because we look at ourselves and we, we see ourselves as failures, but God does not see you as a failure. He will never see you as, as a failure. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Everybody else will be gone, Doug, and everybody else will see you different, but he will see you not that way. And when you could understand coming in and having that relationship with him, you will never see yourself as a failure. I think that's what has happened to me. I, I don't even see myself as a failure. I don't even see myself as the falling. Yes, I know I had falling short and back in all those days, but I don't even see that in my life today. I see my, myself so clear now because I understand who Christ is and I understand who I am in Christ. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how much you're, you're so open about your faith and how you share the, the impact that it's had. And also that you just, you're so real, Daryl. And you tell people like, listen, like, God and Jesus, they didn't treat people this way. Like the, the fact is like humans treat humans this way and, and, unfor and unfortunate things do happen to us and it sucks and it's hard. But if we continue to look at that situation and, and become a victim, like it's not going to change anything. It's only going to make our lives worse because we're not going to be able to move to move out of that. And you mentioned that you didn't see anything that you've done is is failing in your past like what was that was there a moment like can you remember that moment in your journey where you're like man like i got this like everything kind of happened for me and god was looking out for me or did it just naturally happen over time well i think over a period of time you start understanding the map of life you know the map of life for all of us is real and and we see our shortcomings when you can see your shortcomings and see you don't have to be any short in those anymore now you know you have moved on and you've moved on to a different phase in your life. You don't think about, you know, what happened in the past and you don't sit back and dwell on that. I think the problem in this country and this nation is too many people dwell on the past instead of the future that God has for them. Little did I know that my past, past of who I was and playing baseball and achieving all those things, that my future would be greater than that. 
people see people don't get it. You know, they they're looking at the they're looking at well, you were a great plant ball and you had it all, but you know, I know I didn't have it all. I was all screwed up. I had a bunch of stuff, you know, but now I have it all. You know, I have the real life and, you know, the real peace, the real joy. I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. See, I could sit here and sit here and say I'm a victim of society and what happened to me and what people did to me. And if I could have, should have. No, I am what I supposed to be because I win. See, you win on this side. And I think a lot of people will never come to the place of receiving the side because they don't know what's on this other side with God. And it's far greater than an earthly standpoint when you enter in to that commitment and you start learning learning who you are in him, not who I am in the natural. I already know what I was in the natural. So the natural don't even exist to me anymore. It's the spirit man of who I am and, and what I am called to do today. It's far, far different than anything I could ever imagine, Doug. You, you think about it. I, could, I stand in front of thousands of people nowadays. I played in front of thousands of people swinging a bat. But I stand in front of thousands of people in a pulpit now and preaching the good news. And I've never been to school, and I'm not qualified, but God qualifies to call in you when you trust him. And I think that's the whole point I'm trying to get people to see, that my trust and my joy doesn't come from my achievements from an earthly standpoint, because I can tell you this, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much money you make, I don't care how many trophies you win, God's going to call your name one day and you're going to die. And then they're going to talk about you for a week, and then they're going to stop talking about you here from this earthly standpoint. But when you have a relationship with God and you belong to him, God never stops talking about you. God tells you to enter in with him. Now you enter into an eternal heaven with God forever. And I think a lot of people don't see that and understand that. They only see what they see here in the natural from an earthly standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, so many people don't focus on like the end result, right? They're just looking so like right now, here and now, like what's going on on earth and at the end of the day, like you're right, like we can't take our acknowledgements, the external validations, money, fame, all that stuff to the grave with us. All we can take with us is like who we are as a person, our relationship with, with God, like what kind of memories we left with family members, like all the stuff that doesn't really cost anything is what we actually take with us moving forward. And I know one of like the, the most important things when it comes to like a relationship with God and being a Christian is forgiveness. And you, you tell a powerful story about your relationship with your dad and where it was when you were a kid to where it is now and, and how you helped lead him to know Jesus. And there's a lot of people that are holding on to resentments towards their family, towards themselves, towards friends. So if you could tell that story, I think people would really be moved by it. Yeah. And I think most people are holding forgiveness against someone else. When you hold a forgiveness against someone else, you just hold it against yourself. You're keeping yourself hostage for the rest of your life. You know, you, you're never going to be free. I, and I was like that my whole career, playing and, and hating my father and rejecting him because he rejected us. And then I get saved, and, and then God sends me to go see my father in the hospital down in San Diego. And God goes to me, how dare you not forgive him and I forgave you? I extended grace to you. How dare you not forgive him? You go down there and you give him the same grace that I gave to you. You go give it to him. And you go down to the hospital and see him and tell him you're sorry for keeping him out of your life and your career. I was like, are you serious, God? And he was like, I'm dead serious. And he said, I don't want you to talk about anything he did to you. He says, two wrongs don't make a right. 
And I went down to the hospital and, and I saw my father. And the first thing I said, you know, the Lord has changed my life. And will you forgive me for keeping you out of my life and my, and my career and your grandkids? And a tear came out of his eye and he shook his head and said, yes. And I just lost it, Doug. I laid in his lap. I cried so hard. You know, I just lost it. I just laid there and I just cried. And God said, raise up and then raise up. He says, now lead him in the center of prayer. Men have rejected me and left our family for broken. God said, lead him in the center of prayer. And I said, you know, the Lord changed me. Would you like to accept him as Lord of your life? He shook his head and I said, repeat after me. He repeated after me and I led him in a prayer. And he accepted God. And five, six months later, you know, he passes away and go home to be with the Lord. So the Lord's chair would be in the middle of that. Always remember, it's never about you. We think it's about us, but it's about, he said, it's about what I want to do through you, you know? And he said, the forgiveness was not for your father. The forgiveness was for me. That's why I ended up broken all those years because I would not forgive him, you know? And I think so many people are living their life like this, where they won't, will not forgive someone and they don't realize that is pointing right back at them and they can never get well. Ever since that day I remember laying in that hospital with my father and asking him to forgive me, I was released from the bondage over my life for many years. And I think this is a message for so many people. If they hear this, you need to understand this, you know, where you're at and holding somebody, all you're doing is holding yourself to, from being free. God wants to free you, but you can't get free. See. We can't get free if we're holding somebody else for something that they did. Yeah, they did it to us. Yeah, he did it to us. But, you know, like he said, two wrongs don't make a right. And how dare you not give him the extended hand of grace? And I gave it to you. Wow, that's so that's really beautiful, Daryl. And thank you so much for sharing that. I remember hearing that and it it brought it brought a tear to my eye because, you know, I've had my own struggles with my own parents and it's taken me some time and I've had to do a lot of work on forgiving them and letting go of resentment. But once once I did that and I let go and I forgave them, like the I, you feel this weight come off your shoulders because you don't realize how much it's weighing you down. I mean, you really don't until it's gone. You're like, wow, I cannot believe how much this was impacting me. Yeah, it impacts your life, man. It carries it carries your life because it stays with you because it's a tie that's connected to you. And a lot of people say, well, no, I, I, it doesn't bother me. Yes, it does. You know, because if it if it if it didn't bother you. Why didn't you go back and extend the grace and the forgiveness? You know, and that's what I used to say to myself. It didn't bother me. Yes, it did. And and when I when I did exactly what God showed me how to do, I tell you, I was free immediately. And I had never been the same. And my life just soared. You know, it just took off. It took off in such a different direction because I never had this heaviness over me ever again. I think a lot of times we carry this heaviness with us about what happened and what they did to us and how, they, how it's been done. And and then we go off and do the same thing. And it was not only my father. I had to go back and make amends to my first wife and my second wife. And I had to make amends to, you know, six kids, you know, not being a good father, not being a good husband. Yeah, I, I did it all. I went back and cleaned it all up. So, I, you know, when I die, I, at least I know I die free inside. You know, I don't die with a bunch of heaviness over my life that because I know I hurt people. And when you do that and you go back and you make the amends and say you're sorry, now you have cleaned your house up. Yeah, I, I can imagine that it was uh, such a, a challenge and also a journey to heal not only the relationship with, with your 
your first wife, your second wife, but also your kids. So what was that, that process like? Because there's some people that are listening to this or they have friends that, you know, maybe they've struggled with addiction and they've damaged relationships with their with their kids and they're trying to gain their trust back. So what was that journey like for you? Well, it's, it's a process, like I said, and you just be truly honest about it when you go back and tell, speak about you. Don't speak about what anybody else, what they did in the process. You know, speak about what you did, you know, and I think a lot of times that's what happens to so many people. They don't really want to go back and talk about them, but they want to think about what, you know, well, you did this to me. No, what, when you're here to make amends, you're here to make amends about my wrongs and stay focused on your wrongs. Don't stay, get tied up into anything about what else happened. It could have been, should have been. No, it's wrong because I was wrong. And if I can take that responsibility in those particular situations, Things will get better. You know, my kids are amazing. They love me. You know, they just, I, I, they think, they think I'm just some somebody great as a father, as, as a minister. They don't even think about who I was or know about who I was because that memory's not there. And they were young, you know, which which is great. And their mothers, their mothers, they see me as a, a totally different person. I, I, I speak highly of their mothers. I never talk bad about them to the kids. I never did. I never talked down. And you, you make those amends for yourself to be able to go back so you can be better. And I think people need to understand that. And if you have friends that you have hurt, um, just go to them and tell, you know, tell them, be truthful to them about, you know, what you have done. And, you know, it's not, not for you to see how they respond as long as you do your part. You know, that's the most important part. See, sometimes people want to see how people are going to respond and act. Well, what if they do? That's not important. What's important is for me to just go and tell my ex-wife, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I I hurt you guys and I'm very sorry. You know, and how they respond and accept it, that's on them. But as long as I know I've done my part, that's what's important. Right. And then, and then in recovery, they, they talk a lot about the, the idea of keeping your side of the street clean. And I think that's one of the most important things for people to do when they're trying to improve a relationship with someone that they hurt is that they can't control their, the other person's side of the street. They can't control when they come around. You can just control how you keep your side of the street. And if you're somebody that continues to dirty your up, dirty up your own side of the street and blaming them and begging them to come and love you again, then the relationship will never get back to where it was or have any shot of getting better. You have to own your side of the street, do the best that you possibly can to improve yourself. And then over time, um, that relationship hopefully will, will come back together. One of the quotes that you said that I've heard you say on a couple of podcasts, it's, it's super powerful is you say, like you said, my pain led me to my greatness, but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. So if you could dive deeper into that, I think people would really enjoy it. Yeah. The pain of who we are uh, lead us to achieving great things, you know, because when you've been rejected and believe you're nothing, so you have real pain inside of you. And it will lead you into your greatness, but it will not make you great, you know, because your your greatness comes from the gift that has been given to you. But it will lead you into your greatness, but your greatness would eventually lead you into your destructive behavior because you never got well from the pain. And I think this is what happens to so many of us in life. It doesn't have to be, you know, athletic. You, you know, you could be, you know, a doctor, lawyer, whatever you are, just in uh, whatever, a salesman, a plumber, whatever, if there's real pain there and you never deal with your real pain, it's still there. 
and this is just for a normal person, a housewife, a husband, if your pain is there, it's still there because you have not been delivered from the pain. So that will lead you into being great in everything that you do, but your greatness will eventually lead you into the destructive behavior because I never got free from the pain because the pain will always be there until you get delivered from it. And it wasn't until I allowed God deliver me and understand the symbol of the cross that Jesus had already paid the price for everything that was killing me. He's already paid the price for that to be delivered from me. So, you know, there's a lot of things that kill us and we don't know why because we never got free from them. So I just, I just think that was the important part of what I used to always talk about. And I still do to this day of, uh, of the pain you know, the pain of who we are. I'm not in pain anymore. And for a long time, when I had a uniform on, I was winning, hitting championships, high five, and, and, and I was still in pain because I was drinking and drugging to drown that pain of what I was feeling. And it wasn't until I got delivered from that pain, you know, that set me free and led me into my destiny for being free. You're so right, because I think that a lot of people, they chase after these external validations, these achievements, these accomplishments, success. <laughs> for the wrong reasons to fill this void inside of them because they don't know who they truly are. They don't have a relationship with God. They have all this resentment towards people in the past or wanting to prove people wrong. That becomes like a drug of achieving, 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 achieving. And then they are just so caught up in focusing on that, that they lose sight of who they truly are as a person. And it's not until you can kind of bridge that gap and start to do the inner work on yourself and heal that pain, that that success and the work that you do will be more meaningful. And I know today you're an evangelist and you, you go and you, you speak at churches and all over the place. Like, when did you reach a point like in your faith where you realize like, I want to start to, to give back. I want to start to do this for a living. Well, I never thought of it that way. It just came from a natural standpoint, you know, as I continue to study and grow and God continued to send me, I realized that he had given me the gift, you know, to speak life, you know, that would bring about transformation and bring healing to people. And once I saw that, that's what it was really all about. It's never about being, and you know, I don't think, you know, so many people get caught up and consumed with themselves, you know, uh, being ministers and sound good. It's not about you sounding good. It's about the anointing and the power, you know, of, of God coming out of you. That's touching somebody else's life and somebody else is getting healed. And that's the joy of it. You know, that's 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 the reason for traveling. That's the reason for going, because I know God is sending me to set somebody else free. And when you understand that and you can get out of the way, then you realize the importance of it. So the importance of it is to always remember it's never about me. And it's always about someone else that's going to walk through those doors that is close to committing suicide. I've had many of people come and hug me and say, your word today kept me from committing suicide. And, you know, that's it right there. That's the reason I'm there. You know, I'm not the reason there, you know, because Daryl Strawberry's great. Uh, he did anything great. I'm there because the old broken me found the symbol of the cross and submitted myself to Christ. And he, he healed me from that, you know, the outside of what I look, look like to the inside of who, who we all supposed to be, because that's where the real healing process takes place when we allow it to take place on the inside and not the outside. And then we can walk, then we truly walk a victorious life. 
not one we just have to talk about. We walk it every day. We live it every day because it's there. And, and your words, I'm sure, are really helping people to not only unlo- unlock this path of, of self-discovery and unlock this this unforeseen self-confidence that they may have never had because they hear your story and they hear you talk about how all the accolades and achievements just led you down this path of destruction. And they, they feel, they see themselves like, wow, like I can do this. Like if he can go from where he was and how broken he was and heal all the pain and heal all the trauma that you, that you endured, like I can do it too. But there's a lot of people that are still stuck in that cycle of addiction, Daryl, that just have no way. They, f- they feel they have no way out. They're stuck in fear. They're, they're stuck in this idea that they're going to be an addict forever. Like what, what do you say to somebody who just is, is so caught up in the, in the cycle of addiction? They fear they have no way out. First, I tell them you're not that important. So stop being stuck on yourself. Uh, that's the problem right there. You know, we get stuck on ourselves. When you're in addiction, you're stuck on stupid and you're stuck on yourself. That's just the bottom line of it. Yes, powerful and controlling, but yeah, we're selfish, we're self-centered. We manipulate, we have every every idea, wrong idea why I should use, you know, because, you know, the house, because of this, because of that, you know, when do you, you because of this stops, you know, that's the part that we have to stop and we have to stop sitting there and blaming everything so we can, you know, get our fix. And that's what I want to encourage people about. I I was that same person because of this, because of that, this happened to me, that happened to me. Well, guess what? Things won't happen to me if I change my behavior and if I suit up and show up and I become the person that God created me to be. You don't have to always be like that. See, you want to stay like that. See, me, when I was in Mr. My Addiction, I wanted to stay like that. It wasn't until I was ready not to be that person anymore, then I didn't have to be that person anymore. And you don't have to be that person when you get ready that you don't want to have to be that person anymore because there's something great inside of you. God never reversed the greatness that's on the inside of you, and he will use it for his good for you to help somebody else, and you'll be able to tell them your story and what you've been through. Boom, man, that was powerful. I love how you said that because you're right. When we're caught in the cycle of addiction, when we're in that mindset, we think it's what's all about us and we're, we're so selfish and our ego's in the way when we're height, we're very self-centered and we feel that we're going to be this way forever. Cause honestly it's easier to stay stuck in that, that mindset, right? Because we don't have to change. We don't have to take responsibility. We don't have to change our behaviors. We can just sit right there and we can blame everybody else for our problems. We can blame our addiction and we can blame everything but ourselves for why our life is falling apart. So you've accomplished so much in your life, personally, professionally, spiritually, as a man, as a father, as a husband, like what's next for you? Like, I know right now your, your focus, your, your big focus has been being an evangelist and speaking all over the country, but where do you see yourself going from here? What's next for me is going home to be with the Lord. Yeah. That's the next great step. This here from an earthly standpoint is meaningless to me. You know, I've, I've already done it. I've already seen it. I've already achieve from an earthly standpoint that couldn't satisfy me the way the spiritual side that satisfied me. So to know the next step, you know, after I'm done with the work here is to go home. That's an exciting time. You know, I'm never going to deny that. You know, some people always say, well, I'm just not ready for you. No one's ready for it. You don't know when God's going to call your name, but he's going to call it. So at least be excited about the fact that he, when he does call it, you know, you have done the work that he has wanted you to do. Don't leave your work undone here because people are dying at a high speed right now. 
and they're not they're not understanding why you know we none of us understand why but it's happening so obviously god is showing you that you will not stay here so if you can prepare yourself for that you're not staying here in the coming of the lord or your day is going to be called then what are you going to do in the in between you know there's the in between of what we're doing right now am i trying to encourage people am i trying to help people or am i making this all about me make it about others and help others and then be prepared to move on out of here transition on out of here and say goodbye because that day is coming yeah you're right that day is coming eventually and and one day it's going to be our day we don't know when it is but when that day does come you know hopefully we're prepared and we have that relationship with god and we have left our mark on earth that we have fulfilled whatever purpose it was that that he put here for us and and Daryl, there's a lot of people that might be listening to this that maybe aren't um, believers. They haven't. They're not. They have. They're not Christians. But I know they could probably get something from the Bible. And there's a lot of stories and verses about redemption in the Bible. So, what's a verse in the Bible that's been meaningful for you and your powerful story of redemption? Well, I just think it's so many. You know, so many things there that are, that are for you. You just don't know because you haven't tapped into it. And yes, I know it's very complicated, and it will be very complicated at the beginning. But at the end of the day, there's tons of different scriptures and, you know, that you have to come to a place and understanding. And the book of John is one of my favorite books, you know, because it's about believing who Jesus is and he's turning water into wine. I mean, feed 5,000, raising Lazarus from the dead. But, you know, when I think about it, I think about the fact that he, you know, talks about it in John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's telling us that he is the gateway to everything. Everything that's lacking in us, he's the way to it. And if we can come to that understanding, believing that he's the way, the truth, and the life, then we'll have a clear picture and understand who we are. We're, well, we'll understand that we got to go through him to know who we are. And I think so many of us sit on the edge of the fence of who we are in our life, you know, that, that, that are not believers. And I was, I, listen, I was the same way. I was, I, I was the same way before I became a believer. I was thinking about all these other things and all these other things that I, I was and I did and, and how I screwed it up. But now I don't think that way because I'm a believer of the book. And, you know, and the book's been here forever and the book teaches you who you are. So if I can encourage you to, you know, pick up the book and really read it for yourself, you'll learn who you are because it gives you the revelation about why you were created. Amen to that, man. I think that's a good place for us to stop because there's, there's so many people that I get, are going to get a lot out of what you've said on this, this podcast. You've shared so much wisdom on recovery, on your, your spiritual walk, on just how you've healed the relationship with people around you, healed the relationship with yourself and ultimately become the best version of yourself as a result of that. So if people want to connect with you, Daryl, and learn more about like what you have going on, or they want to maybe read some of your books, like where can they do that? Well, you can always go to our website, findingyourway.com, one word, findingyourway.com. Uh, that's our website. And I'm on social media, you know, Instagram, Daryl Strawberry 18 and uh, Facebook, Daryl Strawberry, Daryl Straw and Daryl Strawberry. Well, I'll make sure to include your info in the show notes for people to check you out and wanted to thank you once again for coming on. And for those listening, what I'd like you to do, like I try to invite you to do on every episode to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Daryl said um, about his addiction story when he was playing. Maybe it was something that he said about his recovery journey. Maybe it was something that he said about how he, he 
forgave his dad, just whatever it was, tag Daryl, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.